Ben? Yes? How come those men are after you? Are you a criminal? In a way, yes. What'd you do? Rob a bank? No. Kill somebody? No. Then you must be a communist. No, little monkey, I'm not a communist. Then what? We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And I'm Kevin. And I hope you guys got your fill of last week's episode to Surf Man. If, maybe you went back for seconds and, you know, shame on you for that. But it was a really large episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. It was a fun talk. Yeah. And we're here to serve our listeners another episode this week. Yes. Um, is this one underbaked? keep keep listening we'll, we'll find out um before we get into the fugitive we actually you know something that does not happen for a, like our podcast that is uh talking about a tv show that's 50 years old we have some news that we figured yeah, we get seems into to be, it yeah. seems to be happening more and more yeah it's pretty awesome so uh yeah uh first things first uh they they've announced the actual uh, air date of the jordan peele produced twilight zone the new one coming on cbs all access uh, it is going to be April 1st, which I feel that's kind of a, a fun little date to pick for the Twilight Zone for its mischief. Uh, they're going to have two episodes premiere that day and then uh, one, one a week after that. Uh, for whatever reason, we can't pin down the number of episodes in the season, but no matter what, we know it's coming April 1st. Yeah. So uh, we've had some discussion about what we're going to do. Uh, you can definitely look for the pilot of the new season here on the feed, but uh, stay tuned for further plans with how we're going to address that. Yeah. Um, yeah that, so it, it's exciting. It, when we started the show a few years ago, there was no talks about rebooting the twilight zone. And now all of a sudden within the past year, all of this news has been coming out and here we are in 2019 and we're actually getting the series. Yeah. I'm and I was kind of dismissive when it started. I didn't think it was going to actually happen. If you go back and listen, that's true. There's a lot of uh, we'll see. <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, talk for me. So I'm I'm actually shocked it made it this far through pre-production and made it through production and seems like it's it's actually happening. So I plan on just being upset about something new that I don't know about and talking about how the old stuff is better and just sit here and and just grouse about it. That's my plan is just to be Yeah, you know, the, this just, old stuff that we've been covering recently <laughs> is going to be way better. Yeah, right no. Uh uh yeah, I'm excited. Um and so like actually Rolling Stone just did a cover story with Jordan Peele. Uh if people uh, want to go check that out. It's it's really interesting to kind of hear his 
his like perspective on like his his growing up, what was influencing him, and all all his friends around him were saying, "Oh yeah, like him being a comedian, yeah, maybe we could have seen that. Him directing horror movies, we could definitely see that." So this was more his wheelhouse before he got into comedy. So like everybody kind of already knew that he had a love for this. So it's a cool cool piece, uh, and then the just the care that he's taking to make sure that his next movie, Us, is not a slump. And he, he actually referenced that the the genesis of that film is from the episode of the Twilight Zone. Uh, uh, was it um, Mirror Image that we talked about back in uh, was it season one? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sure the effects are going to be better uh, in Us versus uh, uh, <laughs> Mirror Image, but you know the, the the intent's still there. And I made that joke on the Facebook page already, but that's I still stand by it. But yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, yeah, I love that episode. Uh, that episode. Yeah, um, I mean, ninety five percent of it. My love for that episode is well documented. Ninety five percent of the episode is amazing. Just that one little bit, I have questions about. But yeah, uh, exciting. And that trailer yeah. for Us is awesome. Ooh, I, yeah. I'm very excited. Uh, I was almost mad I watched the whole trailer because I was like, I don't even want to see it anymore. Like, I'm I'm ready for it. Looks great. I, I love Get Out, but this looks even better as yeah, far as I mean, I'm concerned. He, like, he, some uh, of the imagery and everything, and it, it looks it looks more terrifying. And that was his like, goal. It, yeah. like, Get Out was a lot of... Uh, the ideas were terrifying, but the it, it wasn't necessarily a scary movie. You know what I mean? Like there was nothing. It was uncomfortable. It like, was it uh, was uncomfortable and it was upsetting, which horror movies should definitely do. And I'm not saying all horror movies need to be scary. Um, sometimes I like just the unsettling. Uh, but this looks like more of a straightforward horror movie. So I'm I'm excited to see. Yeah. I'm excited if it, I'm excited to see if it'll shut some uh, some of his uh, the people who were kind of against Get Out if it's going to shut them up. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting, and I didn't I didn't mean to go into this Jordan Peele thing, but I think it's no, worth mentioning. Yeah, I think it's important. Uh, he talked about how like the the and get out like the whole thing, the whole conversation was it is about race, you know, and that's that's it's through the yeah. entire film, right? And he said with this this movie Us, he's like it, he's kind of going the exact opposite, saying it's not about race, even though I just said it was about race, and he, he said like there's no overt like a uh, dialogue about race other than the fact that the main characters are, are there are a black family. They just happen to be in a horror film. And he talks about how a lot of times when you have that type of setup, it's spoken directly to like, you know, all the, well, this family is, you know, it's different than other, you know, or these people are different. He's like, that doesn't happen here. And it's just, you know, the movie is a scary movie. It's a horror movie, but like he said, it's, it's, it's the, the part that people are going to be taken aback by is that it's not directly commented on. And I, you know, and that's, it's really interesting that he wants to see all sides of the conversation and wants to make a horror film and be like, I, I have my social commentary. I know how I feel about things, but I also know that I can make this movie and be just as important about a family dynamic, but not have to make it about the same themes, you know? So yeah. and um, I think that's important too, because, yeah. you know, it, it definitely is important to speak on racism and everything in the country and in the world right now. Um, but I think it's also important to show that like, just give roles to minorities you know like yeah. it's it's not it shouldn't be that big of a deal well you know it, like yeah, yeah. If, a, if a character is black or white or whatever it shouldn't be a big deal it should just be the character it's not you know so it's 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 pretty nice that he's kind of showing both sides of that coin yeah um, and and well just by looking and i don't have the list in front of me but just the the, the varied number uh, people that are in so associated with the the new tv show it's all sorts of different walks of life. And that's, that's exciting for me, not only because they're bringing a really amazing talent, but it's like, it's also, it, you know, Serling did do this a little bit 
with with the series, but it was also a different time and what was socially acceptable in terms of television. You 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 could only push boundaries so far before there was amazing, you know, before there was a lot of like backlash, right? So, and not that the Twilight Zone was against this, but it just wasn't. It didn't go as far. You know, as maybe we would want to see now, but there's the opportunity for that to happen now. You know? Yeah, so, you go back yeah. to like Big Tall Wish and everything, yeah. and you see the the opportunities. Serling was uh, given some actors and everything. Well, even like, like a quality it, of it's, mercy, it's cool. Yeah. But like you said, there's there's only so far the studio is going to allow it to take it, just because it's it's something that they were they didn't know how to sell. Yeah, and also we talk about the history of these episodes about how a lot of the civil rights movement was happening concurrently with this. So it's like it's you know. Certainly Hayes commentary for sure. And he was able to speak to things and, you know, but again, I'm excited for the new twilight zone. We're, we're going to be talking about it. And again, like, like we said, we're going to definitely cover the pilot here on the show and we have plans for other things. Uh, but yeah, like that's, it's a, you know, we're like you said before start recording we're, we're suddenly relevant like I, I think that's funny like we're actually kind of <laughs> we've been we've been training for something we didn't know existed. So we're, we're going to be a good spot to talk about it and it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm I'm excited now that it's happening. I can actually be excited now. <laughs> <laughs> I always try to hold back my uh, my excitement for projects, just because in the age of the internet, you find out about these things way before pre-production even really happens, and then so many things change. People are connected with it, and then disconnect with the project, and you end up with something completely different. Things change into other projects, you yeah. know. I, I can't tell you how many movies that I follow that just disappear that I was excited for. Well, yeah, because it's, it's just because you find out about them three years before they come out, you know, so it's it's one of those things I try and hold back my excitement and try and um, just just wait until the final product is here or until I know that it's actually going to come. Yeah, I mean, because before this, the big talk was I think was Matt Reeves or somebody was going to be doing a Twilight Zone movie with DiCaprio's production company. And that was the talk yeah, for a while. Yeah. And, you know, that might still happen. I doubt it because I feel like yeah, I feel I, like the Twilight Zone could obviously we're going to get to the movie eventually. And actually, that ties into what we're going to talk about next for like a brief second. But uh, I feel like the Twilight Zone needs to exist. Like, this is why we love this show is that it's short form storytelling. And you could do an anthology film. That's great. But this it, it belongs. I don't know. This this was it was developed for television. It feels like this is where it needs to be. And CBS All Access is slowly but surely going. I'm, they're going to take my money. They keep adding more interesting things to their their service. And yeah, I'm I'm excited. Yeah, well, they're going to get my money whether I like it or not for the new Twilight Zone <laughs> yeah. series. So <laughs> yeah. Hey, if uh, if CBS is listening, um, if you want to give us uh, <laughs> passes to get on there. So we can cover it and bring you guys some views. Yeah, right. There you go. Yeah, we. I mean, I don't know. If, at CBS, I don't know if you know this. We're kind of we're kind of a big deal with all of this. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're classy. We we do not drink at all. Um, we're very perfect. We're very sober men. Uh, we're where we are. Both of them sober, reliable, the best men. See that Def guy says it. So why not? Definitely so, not yeah. finishing up a beer right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if they want us though, because. Uh, we try not to pull any punches on this show as That's far fair. as uh, liking things or not liking us. So we could 
we could be bad publicity for them. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> we, we have to change our verbiage and be like, well, we did not not hate it. You know, that would be like, <laughs> <laughs> just confuse everyone. You know, um, if we didn't hate it, it just wasn't for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be real nice about it. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Uh, yeah. we, uh, we have more news, actually. Uh, again, breaking news here for the Twilight Zone show. Uh, yeah, not yeah. not as exciting, but no. uh, yesterday, uh, January 30th, from when we recorded, uh, Dick Miller passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastic character actor. Uh, you it, Even if you're not familiar with the name, you would know the face. He's in pretty much every movie you would ever loved and grew up with. I mean, Terminator, Gremlins, uh, The Howling. Uh, he was in Twilight Zone, the movie. So it, uh, he, he's in the um, It's a Good Life segment of that. But I, I mean, he was in literally everything. Just scrolling through his filmography, like Night of the Creeps, mm-hmm. Chopping Mall, After Hours, episode of Tales from the Dark Side. Um, it, it's it's insane how many movies this, uh, he popped up in. Uh, Used Cars, 1941, Rock and Roll High School. Um it, it, it the list just goes on and on. Death Race 2000, um, Candy Stripe Nurses, which I brought up on this. Truck Turner, it's it. The Burbs, which I still need to finish after talking about the starting burbs. it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I, I mean, TVs, movies. He was just somebody who was always there, and uh, it, he did pass away at the age 90. So lived a very long, very fulfilling life. Um, uh, there are few people who had as many credits and uh, ended up making a name for themselves from playing these small bit roles like he did. So yeah, he was uh, kind of like Dick Miller. very much in the vein of like Harry Dean Stanton, where it's like that recognizable face that, that yeah. is like, yeah, like, I mean, I mean, and I, I think I just brought up uh, one of his starring roles was uh, um, buckets of blood or bucket of blood that I just brought up about the, uh, um, the artist who was trying to break into the the scene, mm-hmm. but didn't necessarily really have the talent <laughs> to be involved yeah, with yeah. that whole beatnik scene. So he started making uh, um, statues, but he would kill people and then just cover their bodies in clay. <laughs> so to kind of fit in and mask his uh, shortcomings as an artist. Uh, it's it's a fantastic movie. Old Roger Corman piece, I think it was. Um but yeah, so I mean, he had a few starring roles. I mean, Harry Dean Stanton probably had a few more starring yeah. roles than he did. I mean, but he's a yeah, same, prominent, same but type of thing. Though. Yeah, I just feel like that's the guy. Like, if you needed a good, like a good grounded character actor, bring him in. You know, either one of those guys. And but yeah, Dick Miller, he was the one that was um, harassed by the Gremlins. Like he talked about his whole thing about World War II, and then whenever he eventually didn't he end up using like a, a bulldozer or like a snowcat or something in Gremlins. And went after yeah, them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and then, and then Gremlins too, he went to visit New York just to, you know, get away a little bit. <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, uh, and then the one Gremlin that was a bat flew by him and it got dipped in concrete and it became a gargoyle, like, like stuck on the side of a building. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking of Gremlin, Gremlins 2 and, and Jordan Peele, have you seen the Key and Peele skit where they're, it's oh, the pitch it's, idea yeah. for Gremlins 2? Yeah. Gremlins 2, a bit from Key Peele, was probably one of my favorite. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. You oh, you just said vegetable gribble. You just put two words together. It's in the movie, you know. Like, it's in the movie. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. All right. The, so, the, yeah. Key and Peele. Not to go on too far about this, but uh, that show is so hit or miss. But when they hit on some of those skits, 
it was the funniest stuff I've yeah, ever like, seen in my life. <laughs> the one skit, I didn't know where it was going, where I think they had, what was it, Kevin Sorbo with them? And it was like a zombie movie. <laughs> and uh, and he gets attacked by zombies. And so they're freaked out. <laughs> and then it turns out the zombies don't want to attack them because they're black. So the, like the zombies are like racist. And so they realize that like they, like, they could just wander around fle- freely. And it was, uh, at first I didn't know what was going on, but once, I, like, once it clicked for me, it was an amazing skit. Like it was really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that's, that's it for our news segment of, of, uh, strange highways tune in every week for the up and coming news revolving the twilight zone and character actors that are, that may be gone. So yeah, just, yeah. just keep an eye on the Facebook and we'll keep you posted on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, we're still kind of coming up with our game plan of how we're going to cover this new series. So, yeah. uh, just stay tuned for that. Yeah. So, all right, now on to the, uh, the t- task at hand, we have, uh, the fugitive, Season three, episode 25, air date March 9th, 1962. Uh, number one film is called State Fair. It was, it was a, a musical, a remake of a movie from 45. Never heard of it. Um, number one song, Duke of Earl by Gene Chandler. I have heard of that. Uh, news from this day is this is um this is one of those one of those sad stories that we I find all the time on Wikipedia. Uh, there was actually a situation where there was three babies at a hospital in New York that that died suddenly of heart failure, uh, and then the three more the next day, and then a few more that were in critical condition, and they all had like crazy high levels of sodium. And so what they found out was that someone had accidentally put uh, salt. And with um, instead of sugar in the formula room where they'd mix formula for the babies, that's bad. The only reason they found out about this mistake is because a nurse was trying to make a cup of coffee in this room that, they, that she wasn't supposed to use the sugar to put to put in the coffee. Like she was breaking the rules of the hospital by doing it, but she discovered the mistake. So because of her breaking the rules for the hospital, they figured out why these babies were dying, and it, it actually was one of those things where it was ruled a pure accident, but. It's crazy how one mistake causes problems and then someone, you know, breaking company policy, like saved lives, you know, after, but that's crazy. Yeah. That's a, that's a depressing note. It is. It is a depressing Uh, note. To start this episode. Well, I just, you know, Uh, maybe somebody should have just waved a spinny magic flashlight at the babies and they would have been okay. Yeah. It would have been fine. You know, that's what happens. Right. Uh, So anyway, that's the only news I had from that day and date. It's sad, but I just thought it was interesting. Someone's like, I want to make a cup of coffee. Oh, this is full of salt. I'm a hero, you know, like, so um, that's probably not what they were thinking. But anyway, uh, this episode, let's just get into cast and crew. Yeah, this episode features uh, no dead babies. So uh, I mean, that we know of. We don't know. Like, we don't know where that baseball went. You know, we don't know. Um, (laughs) That's very true. Yeah. So this episode was directed by Richard Albert, who we previously talked about last week on the show. Yeah. Um, if you want to go back, listen to our kind of uh, breakdown of his career, you can go back to third from the sun all the way back in season one. And we'll be talking about him one more time. Mm-hmm. The series. So uh, next up, this episode was written by Charles Beaumont. This is the 12th episode we've covered of his. Um, I think the first one was perchance a dream, which Serling wrote the teleplay based on his short story, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that sounds about right. So yeah, we're about halfway through credited episodes for Beaumont, which is, uh, I think he had 22. Yeah, he had 22. And I know we're going to talk about later, like we've, we've talked about his life before. So I, we're going to, I don't know where it starts happening, where it's not necessarily him, but you know, I don't know about this one there. I couldn't find information about this actual script. 
Yeah. Well, uh, considering some of his background of his childhood, I feel like this is probably um, mostly Beaumont's doing on this one. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it definitely has a, uh, a weird idea that um, it is, it's, it's fine. We'll get there when we get there. Like, uh, but just with Beaumont, I, I always kind of expect some, some teeth to an episode and that's why i was like oh the fugitive you know this is going to be about a one-armed man running away from dr richard kimball or something no uh, <laughs> uh but yeah uh, not not the episode i thought it was going to be <laughs> so no. yeah uh, but, all right so yeah. we'll jump into cast here we have susan gordon who plays jenny uh, she is actually the daughter of bert i gordon the sci-fi horror movie director um he did a ton, a ton of sci-fi films from like the 50s and 60s. Um, if you're a fan of the genre, you've definitely heard his name before. <clears throat> this was her only Twilight Zone appearance, but uh, she only worked for a few years before she gave up acting mm-hmm. when she kind of reached like, I, I, I assume she would have been like a teenager at that point. Um, but her dad would put her in some movies that he was making. Like, uh, I, I, the only two that really stood out to me were tormented and attack of the puppet people. I listed a uh, 1966 picture, mommy dead. I thought that might be something you've seen. Cause it just, uh, I, I did I not, had not seen you know. that, but that's also Bert. I Gordon. Yeah. So, so I, I, I wasn't familiar with him per se, but I saw that she was, you know, I, I knew, I knew it was her father putting in those, in those movie, her in those movies. I didn't know his legacy though. So that's cool. Yeah, his movies weren't always the best, but he was kind of like a Roger Corman uh, fixture. Okay. Where he he put out a ton of movies. Uh, <laughs> some were good, some were not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess that could be anyone's career. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of sci-fi and kind of that drive-in era uh, sci-fi film, he's definitely a name that you've heard of. So it was interesting to see that she was actually his daughter. And next up, we have Jay Pat O'Malley, who plays old Ben, who we talked about previously all the way back in the episode, the chaser. He plays Hamburg. Yeah. He was one of the guys in the line for the phone. I went back to, to double check. Cause I know there's only a handful of people in that episode. Yeah. Um, so yeah, good to see him come back. Those, uh, the chaser was viewed very favorably from both of us. Yeah. I just want to mention he was actually in the fugitive TV show. I, and so I think that's funny that, uh, <laughs> he was, you know, after, after this, he was in the fugitive, actually, you know, he wasn't the fugitive, but he was in it. Very nice. Yeah. Um, next up we have Nancy Culp who plays Agnes Gann, who was in Shane, which we brought up before on the show, just being a classic Western. Uh, her most uh, famous role was Jane in Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah, Miss Jane Hathaway. So um, yep. she was also an episode of Hawaiian Eye. Just want to point that out. Uh, and yep. uh, in the pilot for the William Bendix show, when just mentioned that because William Bendix was in Time Element. Um, so her later in her life, she ended up running um, f- uh, for some office in the state of Pennsylvania as a Democratic nominee. Uh, it was for Pennsylvania's ninth congressional di- district. So um, as she was running for this, I'll, I'll read this part. This is like this is frustrating because we just talked about how great how much Buddy Epson's a great guy. To her dismay, her Hillbillies co-star Buddy Epson contracted or contacted the Schuster campaign, so the Re- Republican campaign, and volunteered to make a radio campaign ad in which he called Culp too liberal. Uh, Culp said of Epson, he's not the kindly old Jed Clampett that you saw on the show. It's none of his business and he should have stayed out of it. 
Um, Epson, uh, she said her and Epson didn't get along. She found him difficult to work with, but I never would have done something like that to him. So his, it's, it's arguable that his influence affected the outcome of the election. However, it could have, because she got like a one to three vote count. So who knows? It could have been a lot closer. Um, but after this, uh, she kind of was not happy with him, but he eventually made it up. Like they made amends before she passed away. And he, he, uh, he said he was, he felt bad about doing that. But could you imagine trying to run for office? Then you got Jed Clampett coming on the radio and being like, yeah, she's too liberal. Like, all right, that's who I guess, I guess I'm not voting for uh, Miss Jean Hathaway. Yeah. That's, that's not cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she was also, she had two roles in two Disney movies, the Aristocats, she plays Furfru, and uh, the Parent Trap, the original from 1961. So uh, that kind of ties in. I want to bring up the Disney element because that's going to kind of come back in my analysis of this episode. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah. yeah, that's probably where she was most well known from was Beverly Hillbillies and those two Disney movies. Yeah, because when, when I first watched this episode, I didn't I didn't put two and two together until I started reading about it. I was like, I was like, she looks familiar. And that's why. So I, I did the same thing. Yeah. I was like, man, I've seen her somewhere. And I'm like, oh, every episode of the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> yeah, perfect. And Parent Trap I watched as a kid. So I probably remember from that, but I don't really remember anyone in that. Um, next up we have Wesley Lau who plays man number one and I don't know if we talked about it him in the episode but he was back in the episode 22 yeah. as an airline agent so I think he was one of the ticket takers like at, at the um, at one of the counters in that episode so yeah and I mean just in case if we mention it then we're going to mention it now he was in an episode of Johnny Midnight those feel like those references are becoming few and far between so I got to bring it up when I find yeah, it we're getting we're getting further and further away now. <laughs> yeah. Hawaii and I keep showing up with regular, you know, uh, intervals, but not Johnny Midnight. So, yeah, that's all I got about him. One day we're going to cover the pilots for both of those TV shows. It's going to be glorious. Yeah. Or it's going to be terrible. Gonna be we're terrible. never going to make the references <laughs> ever again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have Paul Tripp, who plays man number two. This was his only Twilight Zone episode, and uh, he was in the this movie from 1975 I had never heard of, um, starring Vic, uh, Dick Van Dyke, um, called Tubby the Tuba. Yeah, he was actually the yeah. creator of Tubby the Tuba. He did a lot. He was of, the creator. Yeah, he was the creator of it. Uh, it was like a children's book type thing. He did a lot of children's television work, um, and there's a whole like whole write up about him. But like the guy, he you know was there entertaining children. Kind of think of him as more like a, like a Jim Henson or like a Mister Rogers type of thing, where he would he would do educational stuff as well. And but his big thing was Tubby the Tuba, and he actually um, whenever hey, he's credited, he wrote it. Yeah, I didn't notice that. Um, he was a fan of the Twilight Zone and actually wrote to Rod Sterling and was like, hey, if there's any way I could be on this show, it'd be great. And he's like, we'll find something for you. So it's one of the handful of times where someone reached out to Sterling through a letter and was like, I want to do this. And Sterling got him on for this. So considering the nature of the story, you talk about the Disney aspects of it, kind of, that kind of makes sense. Um, but this guy had a, had a pretty successful career and it's just one of those things that like, I, it's, it's kind of a blind spot, but why would, why would I be aware of like children's programming in the sixties in New York? Like, but yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And it, uh, nothing against Paul Tripp, but I watched, uh, I watched a minute of Tubby the tuba and it was terrible. <laughs> terrible. I, the tuba. It was awful. <laughs> Tubby the terrible tuba. That's, that's, you know, there you go. Um, but you know, if people liked it at the time and it, it meant no harm and it actually, you know, 
entertained and maybe educated children, you can't fault them. You know, like previous episode, we had a guy that was selling smog in a can, you know, like whatever. Um, That's true. I guess you could do worse. Who who am I to judge? (laughs) Smog in a can or something that uh, influences children to create music. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Um, But yeah, that's Paul Tripp. And we have Russ Bender, who plays the doctor. Uh, We, I think, talked about him all the way back in the Hitchhiker episode. He is going to be in one other future episode of the Twilight Zone. And I also wrote down he was also in a couple of the uh, Bert I. Gordon sci-fi films. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else for Russ Bender? <laughs> no, I got him as the counterman in, uh, in Hitchhiker. So I'm pretty sure we didn't talk about him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't know how, how deep we went on uh, that episode as yeah. far as like cast and crew. I always feel like we didn't. But then you go back and listen. We're like, oh, we went all the oh, way through. We did. A, uh, we did a retrospective on the the work that was Russ Bender. We did like we spent a whole half hour on him. You know, no, <laughs> of all the countermen's, the big countermen's and and uh, TV, he was one of them. All right, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Then we have uh, lastly Stephen Talbot, who uh, is the boy in Static, who I remember having a conversation about him um, when we did that episode. Mm-hmm. So definitely yeah. go check that out. Uh, and all I had was uh, Johnny Einman, who was the pitcher. Um, I, I just want to mention he had 18 credits from 58 to 64. So like he, this was like he, he was a child actor. I feel like child actors back then. Like if you, if you were good, like I feel like, um, uh, what's her name? I feel like Susan Gordon actually had a little bit of a presence. You know, being this kid actor, she did pretty good. Uh, but I feel like the rest of these kids are just like, can you just say your lines on the screen? We're going to book you for five shows. That's what I felt like was always like, if they, if they can get through their lines and walk off the edge of the, you know, the camera, they're going to have a career in Hollywood. And so I feel like this poor kid probably got these credits just because he's available. Like, and then, and then he probably got to a certain age where it's like, Oh, you're not getting any better. You're, you're done kid. Get out of here. You know, like that's what yeah. it felt like. What do you mean? I can't throw a baseball <laughs> and say a line and get paid. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like I'm sorry, it's, I'm sorry, Johnny. You're, you're 18. You're 35 yeah. years old. <laughs> yeah, you're 35. <laughs> you you brought your child here to also be an actor. I'm sorry, Johnny. We can't have you on set anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's it. That's your uh, cast and crew. So um, should we get to Serling uh, just sunning himself on a park bench? Yeah, let's let's do it. It's been said that science fiction and fantasy are two different things. Science fiction, the improbable made possible. Fantasy, the impossible made probable. What would you have if you put these two different things together? Well, you'd have an old man named Ben who knows a lot of tricks most people don't know, and a little girl named Jenny who loves him, and a journey into the heart of the Twilight Zone. So is the Twilight Zone a nice place to be? I just, I don't ever, like, I feel like he's like, it's a journey into the heart of the Twilight Zone. I feel like the Twilight Zone has like a black heart, you know, like I just, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's got a good part and it's got a bad part of the yeah. Twilight Zone. I, yeah. And I think we're stuck in the bad part. The, the space between light and shadow, right? So yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're the bad part. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's just, uh, let's just get through this. Uh, let, let me rephrase. Let's just start the story about what's going on here before we get to Sterling. Yes. Um, let's, let's discuss this episode (laughs) (laughs) not get through it yeah um all right so the episode opens with a bunch of kids playing baseball and uh there's a strikeout and the argument kind of uh comes about between jenny and the pitcher i think it was or the pitcher and the catcher whatever and uh we're introduced to ben uh this old man who's out there playing with all these kids 
And he kind of breaks up the argument and everything. And they go back to playing the game. And pitcher pitches. And he hits a home run. And it just flies clear over the trees. I was saying, not just a home run. Yeah, it's just, it is like a Billy, like, sorry, like a happy Gilmore, like, strike on this ball. It just goes and it's gone, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, it's, and it's, it's like this animated glowing ball as it flies over the tree like, line. Like, Mr. Like Dingle, Mr. Dingle hit that ball. That's what, that's what happened, you know? Um, yeah, I, but the thing to mention before is that when Ginny goes up to kind of have a dust up with the umpire, you see her having that brace in her leg, and but she's also not being held back by it. Like she's getting right into the you know the fray of arguing about this this call. So even though she is encumbered, that doesn't define her. Like I think that's kind of a, a nice little important thing to show at the beginning. Yeah, that and uh, you can tell that she kind of has this relationship with uh, old Ben because she before he gets the first pitch. She gives him like kind of a signal to do something. Yeah. Um, before the pitch is uh, made and he hits it out of the park like that. <laughs> um, so all the kids get mad and they they confront Ben like, oh, you said he wouldn't use magic anymore. So you get the you find out that there's something else going on with old Ben. So they decide that they're going to play Spaceman. Yeah. And um, Jenny's going to write the story and. So she's she's trying to come up with what she wants to do, and she has the bushes become the spaceship, and they're going to be on Mars. Um, everyone is going to be the passenger. She's going to be the beautiful stowaway. Well, she wanted and, to be the captain, but the boys are like a girl captain, you know, like they were they were protesting, and it's like, man, I'm glad times have changed. But she was like, fine, I'll be the damsel in distress. Yeah. So Ben's going to be the Martian and they they basically tell him to just be some be a horrible, scary creature. So he goes behind the bushes and they start uh, they start playing and coming up with the scenario. And he comes out in this like amazing 1940s, 50s sci fi alien rubber suit. It's it's (laughs) it's pretty it's pretty funny looking. It looks like um, like the Fantastic Four, like the like the thing, like uh, but with like yeah, a with face. like a with like a horror of party beach monster head, yeah, on the thing body. Yeah, it looks, <laughs> it looks like Ben Grimm just pissed off, you know. But yeah, he has like uh, but I actually didn't like for even though unfortunately that is the um, one of the images that you see associated with this episode. That had to have been something. If you're just watching it, you're like, wait, what just happened? Because normally when you see that kind of like that kind of presence, it's like something bad's about to happen, and the, the, it goes it, it comes out you know comes around the bush real fast. So that I thought that was kind of a cool like quick reveal of that. Yeah, it's fun because it kind of plays with expectations of previous decades of uh, sci-fi films and everything. Um, but then all the kids make finger guns and shoot him, and he goes back behind the bush. Um, Slowly, he comes out again, and he's back to his form as Ben. Yeah. I just want to point out the kids all went into sneak formation, and then the one kid said that the ship was heretically sealed. Like, they're talking about their spaceship, how nothing yeah. can get on it. So, I thought, but I, like, I did laugh at that as well. I like the sneak formation where they all just kind of got, they all bent down and put their fingers out like guns, and it was so, it's such a kid thing to do, but I liked it. So, yeah. But anyway, ben, Ben's back out, and he's no longer a creepy looking, or, well, a not so creepy looking Martian. And then we get the uh, the pan over to Serling on a park bench, which is uh, edited in after uh, it wasn't a smooth pan. Um, 
Yeah, we get uh, Sterling's intro. I wish he's I wish he'd have been the there. Sun. Yeah, that just, <laughs> I was really wishing that it would just been like he'd been on like on set with the kids or whatever, or like the baseball fell onto his lap or so. I just wish there'd have been something. But I just love how he's just like, all right, I'm going to sit on this bench and tell you how life is while there's like a picnic going yeah, on in the background. Even if he was like. Even if he was just like tossing the ball up and down, it would have been fun. Yeah. Like he caught it or something. Yeah. But uh, still, I just like, I just like Sterling, you know, sometimes he just deserves to be out in the sun having a nice day wearing a suit coat and a tie. <laughs> like, so anyway, it was, uh, I, I, it was, it was interesting, but it wasn't my favorite Sterling uh, intro so far. No. Uh, so after the first commercial, we come back and you got Ben with Jenny on his back and he's on roller skates, bringing her home. And he kicks the skates off and makes them disappear. Yeah. So as he's as he's doing that, you see that there are two guys in suits watching him as he does this. Yeah. Uh, so they're they're um, suspicious, and he is carrying Ginny up the stairs. And uh, uh, well, he's like, it'll be like you know whatever he said the cost is because you know he you know was a shuttle service for her. And it's like, it's like the cops will be like one kiss and he, you know, she kisses him on the cheek and he says a little poem about like, you know, something about how nice it is, how he's been kissed. And you could tell that there's a genuine affection between the two of them. And then like in today's day and age, this could be seen a little odd, but there's never, there's never ill, like ill intention with anything that, um, J Pat O'Malley does with his character. No. Um, but it- as they're having this conversation, she finally says like, Hey, you know, you can do all these things and why can't you just fix my leg? Cause she's got this, uh, mm-hmm. this brace on her leg and everything. And, uh, he says, you know, I, I just can't, well, he's just like, kind of leaves it as that. If, if I did, I wouldn't be able to carry you up the stairs. Like he was just still trying to be like, you know, trying to say like something nice about like, if I did that, then we wouldn't have this relationship type of thing. You know, like it was, you know, again, weird, but sweet. Yeah. So when he gets up to the top of the steps, we get introduced to the uh, her aunt played by Nancy Culp. And she you get the idea that she's like the evil stepmother. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's what I was going to say. There's a lot of Disney-esque things going on in this, but she doesn't like Ben. She's upset that he's always bringing her back and she's spending so much time with this old man and basically tells him that if he keeps coming around, she's going to call the cops on him. Yeah. Um, was the, does she call her call, uh, Jenny a gutter snipe? I think is something <laughs> like I, <laughs> I, I, I wrote that down. And I just also wrote, uh, Aunt Agnes is just a very angry person. Like it did, like it's one thing to, to, you get the style of acting back then where it's like, Oh, that's a bit over the top, but it's like, she comes across as like mean, like you're like, you're right about the whole, like stepmother type of thing, you know, like from like the, you know, whatever. But there's times where I'm like, wow, that is, that's, that's a, that's a bit much for, for this show, but she was just a, just a bowl of piss and vinegar, like half the time. Um, funny, but, but off putting, you know? Yeah. Um, after, after she sends Ben, Ben away, they, she hears a knock at the door again. And she opens the door and it's these two guys in the suits asking about Ben, asking uh, how long he'd lived in the building and if she knows anything about him. She tells them that nobody really knows anything about him. He moved in about a year ago or so. Um, I can't remember the exact time frame that uh, she says. But as she's talking to these two men in the background, you see Jenny sneaking out of her room 
going out the door and going up to Ben's apartment. So she's going to tell Ben that these two men are here looking for him. And there's a there's a great moment. You can see the realization on his face. Uh, great performance from J. Pat O'Malley. And you just see the uh, how upset and how disappointed he is that these these two men have found him. Mm-hmm. So he tells her that it's too late and that they've caught up to him. Yeah. And so then um, uh, there's a whole thing of where he's kind of telling her about like, you know, that he is, that's the beginning of the show I played about like, you know, he's on the run and she's like, Oh, did you rob a bank? Did you shoot somebody? And she, I, I like the whole, I have like, well, you must be a communist then. And he's like, I'm not a communist. I thought that was funny. Yeah. Um, but then um, there's a bit where, just as like what was it? I forget the transition, but before they come up to his room, there, there was like a commercial break. Um, yeah, but she puts her hands on her face at the begin before the commercial break, right? Or or no, she's standing in the bedroom with him, trying to find a place to hide. And then the transition is immediately to the commercial. They come back, he's gone, and her hands are over her face. Something that was really yeah. kind of an odd. It was neat, but it was weird. Yeah, they they did a lot of uh, interest in transitions. The only thing that they actually really use special effects for were the uh, the roller skates at the beginning of this episode. But I, I like it was a cheap way to do it, but it was effective. Yeah, especially for a commercial break, because the whole thing is like, where are they going to hide? So in real time, you have, what, two or three minutes, you come back to the story and he's gone. And she, you know, she has her hands over her face. So I thought that's kind of a that's kind of a neat, like tipping of the hat of like three minutes have passed. Like what? What's gone on here? And so when the, when the the not cops show up with angry aunt, um, you know Jenny's by herself, and so they uh, they send they they get her back down to the room, um, and they look around for a second. Which again, these guys knowing what we know about them now, like they gave up the ghost pretty fast about what was going on in that room. Yeah. Um, and then as they bring her, they bring Jenny back down into the apartment. I, well, she uh, she sends her to her bedroom and says, "You know, I'd beat you right now, but I'm too tired." <laughs> like, it's yeah. like, okay, like. <laughs> um, but yeah, it sends Jenny to her room without supper and with with the with the promise of a beating, maybe later if she has her strength. Yeah. So Jenny goes into her bedroom and she pulls a mouse out of her pocket, puts it on the bed, uh, covers her eyes again. And uh, uncovers and the camera kind of pulls back and Ben is sitting where the mouse was on the bed. Yeah, I liked it. I thought that was in, like you said, there wasn't much special effects, but it was a nice camera move to get him in place where he's actually on his hands and knees on the bed, like as if a mouse would have been. And it was a fun little movement. I liked it. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's, it's visually more interesting than just stopping the camera having him get into frame and starting it and having him appear like that. Like yeah. I would much rather have some interesting camera movements and reactions from other characters showing that something's happening rather than just camera tricks like that. Um, so yeah, they kind of explain, she asks at that point how he's able to transform the clothes when he turns into like an animal or something and back and he gives some, statement about how everything's made up of molecules and it's it's all pretty much the same and it just transforms the same way so just kind of a throwaway line of like how the mouse ended up wearing his clothes again (laughs) yeah Yeah. i mean what would would have been worse him not having clothes or the mouse having clothes what would have been the worst thing to see him not having clothes (laughs) would have been way worse yeah especially with the implications that the ant was trying to put on to their relationship uh 
that wouldn't have been good. No, but, but I like a little idea. mouse with clothes would have been kind of adorable, <laughs> though. So that'd have been great. I've been like, oh, the pants go with you, huh? Yeah, right. I, yeah, I they like shrink that. down. Yeah. <laughs> but I also want to say uh, he refers to her as little monkey a lot during mm-hmm. this. I thought it was great, and that that's one of the positive things I can say about this episode is that this it, all the characters feel lived in. Mm-hmm. And it feels like they've had relationships before we catch up with them in this. Nothing feels like it's being overly explained to you. Um, later on in the episode, we get a little bit of that. But as far as like who these people are, there's so much depth with every single character in this. Um, that I, I I really appreciated that aspect of this. Yeah, I, I, you're right. I um, I do like that. Uh, so there's a bit where where Jitty's uh, like talking in her bedroom, and uh, Aunt Agnes is uh, about to crack open a beer. So I write, like that's what it looked like to me. It looked like she was going to do some day drinking, in, in the apartment. Uh, and she overhears this talking, and then she opens the door. I was like, "What are you doing in here?" She's like, "Just talking to myself." And she's like, "Well, well yeah, it's a it's kind of a night that was that was actually my favorite scene in the movie because when she's in the room talking to Ben again." He's he tells her that he's not actually from this world and that this isn't his real shape and starts revealing a little bit more. And he says, you know, I got to go. These guys have caught up to me, but I have one more thing I want to do before he leaves. So he has her take the brace off and he pulls out this spinny flashlight thing. It looks like one of those things they used to sell at the circus. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it looks like have those like light up wands with like the. I, I think they had little spinny bits on them. No, they do. It's like, it, it's, it, I don't know, a couple of years ago, the people, there, there was these like cheap novelty fans that had like the, 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 not LEDs, but like you could program like a, a message in them. And then when the fan turns on, you could see it as it spun. Like, yeah, uh, that, yeah it kind of looks like that. Yeah. But apparently it has some magical ability to heal or uh, hurt people. Um, <laughs> So he wants to he wants to heal her leg before he leaves. So he pulls that out. But while he's trying to do this, the aunt is hearing some talking. That, so right. yeah. you, you get this moment of is she going to interrupt before he's able to do this? Is he going to be able to do it? Are they going to get caught? And it, there's this kind of it's it's not as clockwork as you would want it to be, but there is this kind of cl- uh, ticking clock of her coming into the room and discovering what's going on and stopping it before he's able to do it. So I, I, I actually appreci- appreciated some of the stressfulness of that scene. Yeah. Yeah. I, I told it out of order. So that's, that's on me. My, my molecules were not in the right order for that. So, but there's the bit where she's like, who are you talking to myself? It's like, stop it. That's how you go crazy. And then she just slams the door. It's like, yep. Talking to yourself. That's how you go crazy. I, I liked, uh, I liked, uh, Aunt Agnes's, um, like theory of, um, you know, mental health. Yeah. But it, as when she comes in, you see that there's a fly flying around her. So you get the idea that Ben has turned into a fly. So she's upset because she thinks he's gone for good. Ben's gone for good. She stands up and her legs fixed and she's able to run down the stairs after Ben runs into the two guys in the suits and they aren't going to let her go. So they use their little flashlight gun thing 
and uh, she passes out at the bottom of the steps. Well, I like that the one guy, like the one of the two of them was about to bring out the doodad, and the other one's like, don't do it. And he's like, it's the only way. And it's like, because the way he's pulling it out of his, gut, his his jack to begin with, it's like, there's all this like ill intent, and like the one guy's like, don't do that. Like, don't don't hit her with that thing. And it was like, <laughs> it was something about the look on his face as he's pulling out the magic flashlight. It was, it was... It was funny. Like, I mean, not not intentionally funny, but the whole thing of like, all right, I guess we're going to hurt this girl now. Like, it was just really, it was I just sudden. thought it was funny because the thing was not intimidating at all. No. Like, it, it just looked it like spins, a little boy. And you hear, Ooh, like this weird, like, you know, I think it's the actual same noise that, uh, that whenever they put the, the, the brain, the, the strength ray on uh, Mr. Dingle, I think that's the same noise they used for that, um, which wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, it's a very. I can't uh, quite remember, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So, but I like so then Ginny, I, I uh, she's there at the doorway, and then she just collapses. So that that's uh that's great. Um, and then we have the scene of her being in the bed, uh, in the bedroom, and the doctor is just like like he he looks at her leg, makes sure that works okay. And you're like oh, okay, and then he goes up to the end. He's like, well, you know, um, like. It, it's outlook isn't good and the aunt's like well you know it's she shouldn't have took her brace off he's like oh, i'm not talking about the leg leg's fine her pulse is really going low she's probably going to die and he's like all right we're done like you know like <laughs> no gets, i i wrote down this doctor sucks yeah because he's sure. like the aunt's like is she, is she gonna survive and he's like well not if her uh pulse gets any lower yeah he's she's like, like well is there anything you can do he's like no yeah, he's like, <laughs> just he, like he's like, it walks out. It gets any weaker because whatever it is beyond my knowledge. And I was like, nice yeah, college like, try there, doctor. Like it was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. So I'm going to go in the other room. Yeah, he's and like, apparently, yeah, have a smoke. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I just, I check the leg. The leg's fine. That's all I ever. That's that's as far as I got. Medical school was uh, the right leg. That one looks good. That looks good. Pulses, I don't know. You know, and he's. It's <laughs> yeah. So they uh, leave. Yeah. Um, after they leave the room, Jenny wakes up and she starts seeing the fly around the room again. The fly goes over, lands on the chair, and Ben appears. They do that camera trick again, kind of pan over to her and then pull out. And Ben's sitting on the chair. I was hoping that he'd have his hands rubbing together. Like whenever. Like, <laughs> like, 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 that would have been, been amazing. Yeah, but they didn't do that. But yeah. Um, so yeah, he's back and he. He uh, uses his his doodad again to you know, make her feel better, and you you know at that point that like he knows he knows that this was the trap that was set to bring him back because he couldn't let his friend be be hurt. Um, so he knew that basically by coming back he was he was delivering himself to the 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 people that appear to be cops. Yeah. So she hugs him and she's like, "The men are back," and they refer to him as Your Majesty. Mm-hmm. So you find out that Ben is a king on the planet that he comes from and he wasn't necessarily cut out to be king. So he ran away and these guys are trying to bring him back. Yeah. He was a king for a thousand years and he was like, this isn't for me, you know, <laughs> like so that he, yeah, he had yeah. 4,000 years to go yeah. and he's like, I can't do it. I yeah. got to I got to get out of here. Yeah. Um, so Jenny wants to go with him and the men are like, that's against the rules. You can't bring her can't bring her. So they want a minute, minute alone. She's whispering in his ear 
And they go out of the room and you see that the aunt and the doctor are frozen where they were. I think the doctor was smoking a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, because the one the one um, um, guy goes over and like he, he pushed he mixed he knocks the ash off and then puts the cigarette back. Yeah, so that's right. <laughs> yeah, and I like that uh, Aunt Agnes the way she's like mid. It looks like she's mid run. Like somehow, like she's like frozen this whole like angry walk point as she's like talking, and it was a very exaggerated pose. That I just, I just liked it. It's like what were you doing when they stopped time there? <laughs> She was just dancing. Like she was just running to grab a beer. You know, it's like she's like, she yeah. didn't get it earlier, you know, but she put her front leg all the way up and just started running. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they they give them literally 10 seconds and then go back in the room and you see that Ben has turned himself into Jenny's twin. Yeah. So basically uh, they're they're forcing the two subjects to take them both because Ben will not reveal himself and they don't know which one's which, even though the second Jenny that spoke said the council won't approve of this. It's like, you seem to know a lot about the council there, Jenny. I don't think yeah, that, how yeah. do you know they have a council? <laughs> yeah, you just like, gave it up. Yeah. Like it's one of those things where it's like, you said something. I don't think that girl's capable of like, you know, saying right off the bat, but uh, yeah. So then um, they bring them out, you know, they, they, they take them away and then we get like a really weird ending to this episode. Uh, we get Serling sitting on a bed. Like we get him back on camera, which we haven't had him make an appearance. Like it just, this doesn't happen. Like him actually like telling yeah, not, him. To, yeah. The only other one I can think off, uh, off the top of my head was the, uh, end of season one. Yeah. Uh, was, was a, world, it? a world of his own or whatever, but that's, that was the first time Serling appeared on camera at all for the series. And it was the end of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I can't think of any other episodes. It may have happened before, but um, yeah, and he kind of gives the second twist yeah. where he reveals the true form of Ben. Yeah, which I really thought for a second because he said uh, uh, Aunt Agnes is going to come in and see that you know Ginny's gone, but she's going to find this photo and have questions. Man. I really thought that, that you're just going to have Sterling looking at a photo and you'd never see what it was which I think would have been better, but you see the picture yeah, of what Ben I, looks like. I agree. And it's like, is that supposed to be someone we know? Like, I just, I just didn't know the face. No, I, I think it's just the, that he's a handsome young man and that, uh, she's going to become queen on whatever <laughs> planet. So he's not actually an old man. So it's okay. Yeah. That they may I, or may not have a romantic relationship. Yeah, like, I, I was trying. I was trying my best to like soften the landing on this one because I was watching with my wife, and she's just like, "Oh, being queen." You know, and I was just like, "Well, I was like, just because she becomes a queen doesn't mean you know with him." <laughs> like that was my whole thing of like, she's brought back there. Maybe there's someone else in the royal family that she ends up marrying and becomes queen. We don't know. But, it, but why would he even take? I don't, if yeah, I. It's weird. I don't know. Why would he even take the old Ben persona if he looked like that? Yeah, like he could have fit in just as well. It's not like those guys didn't find him as the old man. Like if he was trying to court this girl, why didn't he just uh, take the form of a young, handsome teenager? Yeah, I, I don't understand. Weird. I mean, I, I I get what they're trying to go for, and it seems innocent enough. But like the more you think about it, you're like, huh. Like it's just not. It's not great. It doesn't sit well. But I mean, I know that that wasn't the intent. Like no, it, it, there's it's not, not a, it's, it's more confusing than it is upsetting. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm yeah. Cause it was an innocent relationship throughout the episode. Like it wasn't like there was anything creepy going on or anything, but I just 
with the ultimate thing of her becoming queen, it's just like, why would you take that form? Yeah. Out of anything. I just, I, I don't know. It's also, it didn't stick the landing with his, I I would have much rather not seen the photo. (laughs) Yeah. Right. That I think it would have been better for him to be like, like, you know, like leave something for the audience to be like, Oh, we don't even know what he looks like. That would have been interesting. But also like, I don't know about the logic of the subjects leaving the room for a second for someone that they know they can't trust that has been on the run. They're like, yeah, we'll leave you alone for a minute. It'll be fine. Nothing but, Oh, you got us. Like, It was just weird. Um, Well, I think the idea that he's kind of uh, he's kind of come to the uh, uh, come to terms with the fact that they've got him. Yeah. And like, even if he leaves, like she's going to be in trouble because they're just going to use their little weird spinny thing on her. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so he's he's kind of trapped at this moment. So they feel like they have the upper hand. So I I was okay with that. I have an issue. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so that, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's that episode. Uh, I just want to mention, I forgot to uh, previously, whenever Ginny wakes up due to the doodad, she asks, am I going to die? And he said, yes, eventually, but not right now. Like, <laughs> like it was so yeah. direct and blunt. It was like, it's kind of refreshing, but wow. That's uh that's what you just tell a kid. Yeah. You're going to die eventually. Not today. Like it's just all right. it was the only sign <laughs> of Beaumont in this entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So all right. Um, yeah. The only other thing I have, because uh, we kind of joked about it not feeling like a Beaumont episode, I guess uh, he had a very troubled childhood and his uh, mother was very abusive towards him to the point of killing an animal in front of him. Oh, that's right. We did talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, he had a very rough childhood. Um, so I, I think this was an episode that was him kind of dealing with his past and the ant character was kind of a stand-in for his mother, um, I, on a kind of lighter way, you know. Not it, it definitely didn't go to the darkness that I think his childhood was, um, but it was it was just weird that it ended up coming out as almost like a Disney. Yeah, I mean, you got like I I don't know. It was weird. Like you could have put Don Knotts as the alien in this and sold it as a feature-length Disney movie or something. Yeah, so it's funny that you say that. So not to Don Knotts' part, that'd have been amazing. Um, so there's a quote from um, from Susan Gordon. Uh, she said, uh, "What was it? Um, of all the television shows and movies I did, this was one of my favorite roles because I got to play a twin, and I got to run off with a prince." Uh, so that speaks to what you're saying there. Uh, but here's the one thing that's just kind of sad. She's like, I always regretted not meeting Rod Serling. And I remember it was the first day of shooting and we were outside and I came down ill with a touch of sunstroke or a touch of flu, but they carried me off on a stretcher as Rod was walking in. I'm still broken up about that. So she never got to meet Rod Serling shooting the episode, but she had a lot of fun with it because she got to run off with the prince. Yeah. But I mean, you got the evil stepmom or evil step uh, sister or whatever. Yeah however you want to put it into terms. You got the, the prince coming to take the princess away and save her from the situation. Um, you have the, uh, the antagonist of the two men um, trying to screw things up. It, I mean, it, you could, you could put this in any setting and it would turn into a fairy tale. Yeah. And even, even though the, those guys chasing him down, weren't being malicious, you know, like you found out they actually were trying to do a good thing. So it's like, yeah, like a lot of this, a lot of this fairy tale stuff where it's like, oh, even the bad guys aren't bad, you know, like, because even Agnes had a moment of redemption where she was honestly worried about what would happen to the kid. You know, it's hard for me to believe this came from the pen 
of the man who gave us the jungle and the howling man. (laughs) (laughs) That's when I finish this episode, um, I was just kind of beside myself. Like this was such a positive feel good episode. You were beside yourself. I was kind of bummed out. Like you had a twin. Like you were such beside yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I wasn't taken away Uh, (laughs) out of this, out of this world. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that's, uh, that's the fugitive. Um, I mean, the title, I guess it works. He's on the run. Um, Still the, the title was a much more darker implication than what actually happened. Maybe that was the point. Um, but yeah, yeah, like it was this episode, it was fine. Like it was a nice breezy watch and there's goodwill in it. And so I know I feel like we've run into a string recently of like episodes that either like didn't live up to the potential or had some wonky issues. Like if this one would have been the first season, I, I think it would have fit pretty much just in line with everything else we watched them where it was like, Oh, well that's just a good natured tale. And I wouldn't have thought twice about it, but in hindsight of what we've just recently seen, it was kind of a nice palate cleanser to have like just a nice episode, you know, like, uh, without, yeah, many, without fine. many problems. I was, yeah. I was just bummed out. Cause I saw the picture of him as the alien. Mm-hmm. And then I saw it with the title, the fugitive, you kind of guess about his reveal two thirds of the way uh, uh, through this episode about him being an alien. Um, so I was kind of bummed that I saw the picture of him in that rubber alien yeah, costume. Too. Yeah. But what are you going to do? Yeah. All right. So uh, anything else about uh, The Fugitive that uh, I don't have anything else in my notes here uh, other than, you know, it was a weird episode. So no, just a little disappointed in Beaumont, but (laughs) hopefully we get some uh, better stuff from him in the future. Beaumont. All right. Anyway, so let's just let's just get to the twist. (laughs) Terrible. I never claim to say anything of worth during this entire, this entire <laughs> show that we've always do. So, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. I, 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 don't, never, I, I don't know. Boomont though. I've Come never, <laughs> I've never promised quality, just a bunch of quantity. Um, all right. So for the twist, I'm going to give it a four because I did not see, uh, the outcome of the twins happening. Like, and I like that Ginny was the one that was the genesis of it. So I, I kind of like that. Um, yeah, I, I'm not going to be as generous with it. I may give it a three. I I do like that it kind of mirrors the beginning with her giving the signal when they're playing baseball mm-hmm. and kind of giving the orders of what of what to do to get out of the situation. Um, that and it kind of comes back in the end with how she deals with the end. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't nothing really surprised me. Nothing really took me back. I can't say I would have straight up guessed it halfway through, but uh, it it didn't blow me away like some of the twists on the show. What about the twist of Rod Serling sitting on the bed looking at like a photo from Tiger Beat of, uh, you know, <laughs> like, what about that twist? That's just, uh, I don't know if I can give it a number. I just give it a, like a, a what? Like that would be uh, what I would. <laughs> I'll give it a 3.5. There you go. For both of them together. Average together. It's not quite a four, but it's. I don't know. It, it didn't really surprise me or anything. I wasn't really taken back by it. All right. So, okay. Uh, that's going to do it for The Fugitive. Kevin, how can people find us? You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube at Strange Highways Podcast. You can email us or leave us voicemails at Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, we are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, Satchel, pretty much anywhere you can find uh, podcasts. We are there. 
It would really help us out if you uh, head over to iTunes or whatever service you use to get us and leave us a review and or a rating. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So next episode uh, is called Little Girl Lost. Uh, it's a continuation because what happened to this girl from this episode? Not really. Um, <laughs> that'd been funny if it was a continuation. It's like, Jenny's gone and we're now dealing with the implications of this, you know. Um, she, she's just on a planet of uh, handsome uh, teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, then, and then the baseball lands. That's when the baseball shows up. It ends up on this other planet. So, all right. Uh, there you go. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> next episode, Little Girl Lost. <clears throat> next week, an excursion into a strange and totally different dimension. We'll bring you a story by Richard Matheson called Little Girl Lost. And this one we guarantee is not the kind found on a police docket or in a missing, missing person's bureau. Uh, when the little girl is lost, we're talking about out of this world. I hope you could join us next week and find out where she's gone. So maybe this is that story. She is out of this world. We don't know. Um, but it is Richard Matheson, so it'll be nice to have him back on the show. Um, so we'll see. Like, uh, I don't know. I've not seen this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking. Uh, director Paul Stewart. This is his only Twilight Zone credit as far as directing. Uh, 114 acting hmm. credits. So, should be an interesting conversation about him. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm. Oh, he was in Citizen Kane. Look at that. Oh, all right. Well, we'll have, we'll, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about next week. So, all right. Yeah, that's cool. that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, next week, a little girl lost, and um, I don't know. Uh, just I got I got nothing. If you if you sleep in a bed and talk to yourself, you know you'll go crazy. That's that's what I take away from all this. Yeah, just don't use magic when you play baseball. That's that's what I learned. Yeah. Myself. Cut it out and go crazy that way. <laughs>